high end, amen? That's what God's trying to do with all of us, is bring us to the end of ourselves where we let go of everything and put him first, amen? I was uh, at a follow-up investigation in an apartment complex dressed kind of like this, but I was wearing a hoodie, had my badge on a chain around my neck, a gun. I was working a narcotics assignment. My partner was an FBI agent, a female FBI agent, and came face-to-face -face with a drug dealer. I pulled out my badge, and he pulled out a gun. I had a gun, but I could not get to my gun. I backpedaled to get away from him, hit a wall. He gets the gun out, aggressively moves towards me from about two, less than two feet, puts the gun right at my face. I'm looking down the barrel of the gun. I see him trying to fire the gun. The barrel's dipping like that, and the gun doesn't fire. And God spared me. Amen. I mean, this is God and guns territory. You know revolvers? You could pull a revolver out of a mud puddle for a month, and it would fire. Amen. But God has the power to do anything. Amen. I fell and ran for cover. He ran, jumped in his car. I got my police radio out, put out the license plate of the vehicle as he took off. They found the car about five miles away in a parking lot. They set up a surveillance and watched the car. About midnight that night, some guys come to get the car. They swooped down on him, arrested him, searched the car. Inside the car was a loaded revolver, a box of bullets, two pounds of methamphetamine, 13, and $13,000. And the revolver was a long-barreled revolver. It was a... Uh, and they came and sh they showed it to me, and I identified it as the gun the guy tried to kill me with. They took it to the uh, crime lab and it fired six shots in a row. Amen. With God, all things are possible. Amen. And that day, God showed me who He was, that He had His power. To, my life was in His hands, and He had the power to take away my life, and He had the power to save me. Amen. But He told me that that was just the beginning. That He wanted to save my spirit. He wanted to save my life from hell. Amen. And I can remember sitting at Calvary Chapel one Sunday morning and wanting to... I knew what God was calling me to do to give him my life and to turn from my sins. And I wanted to, but I was afraid. But that day, my pastor was teaching out of Matthew and he read of Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And all of a sudden, it all made sense. I missed God for, for 38 years by 18 inches. I knew about God in my head. But that day, and I understood God's love, that he loved me so much that not only did he say he loved me, but he sent his son to die for me, to prove his love, and to save me from the fires of hell, and to, to give me new life. And on April 20th, 2004, I, I walked into my church carrying a burden of sin and guilt and destruction. And I, the, my heart was this, Lord, if you're real, I'd read the Bible that said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and all things can be new. And I said, God, if you can make my life new, I've destroyed it. I'm giving it to you. And I walked out of that, out of that office free in Christ. Amen. And that day was the day. I, the very next day, I, I quit my job, turned in my badge and my gun and picked up my Bible. I, I was... Uh, I knew God had called me to something different. And that began our ministry. You know, the ministry was, I was an agent for the United States government, and then we now are an agent for Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, the ministry's purpose was very simple. We, I knew everywhere, every street corner, every gas station, every grocery store, every home in America, people had the same problem as me, sin. And they needed the answer that I knew, and that was Jesus Christ, amen. And I wanted people to know the freedom that can be found only through a close, personal walk with Jesus. And we, we, people said we were crazy, but me and my wife and our two kids and my wife's sister and her brother and their two kids sold everything, bought two RVs and, and set off across the country to, with, like I said, that purpose, to share the gospel and encourage other people to do the same. 
And that's what led us here many, many years ago. And I'm, I'm blessed to, that, uh, you know, I trusted God. A lot of people said I was crazy, that it wasn't God's call. My pastor said, Bill, what are you going to do? Wait, and you're going to be 70 years old? Or be really, really old guys sitting on a rocking chair, too old to, to do anything? And say, I, and say to myself, I wonder what God would have done. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to trust Jesus, amen? And I'm so glad I trusted Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, there's nothing about me that's special. Nothing. I was a fool. I was an alcoholic. My life was destroyed. But Jesus gave me new life. And God changed my life. And God used me and gave me the gifts and gave me everything I need. Amen? Chuck Smith always said, God guides, God provides. Amen? And it's far more than just money. What God is calling you to do, God gives you the ability to do it. Amen. And God has a call on every one of our lives and he's given you giftings and abilities and he wants to use you. And he placed you here where he has you here in El Paso, in your home and in your community and your job and your school and in your friends and family. God has a call on your life here and he wants to use you where you are. And my life began to make that purpose. The day I said, Lord, here I am, send me. And every day I said, God, I belong to you. And I wanted to do what he desired me to do and to follow his will. And you know what? That's the same God, what God wants to do in each of our, every one of our lives. That we would just daily surrender to him. And pray that God would lead you to opportunities to share. Lead you to those divine appointments. And God will, if you just make yourself available, God will use you. Amen. But as we traveled for about three and a half years, and all of a sudden God started showing us something was happening. I knew he was calling us to Uganda. And I was like, Uganda, Lord, I, I don't, you know, it wasn't my plan, amen. <laughs> I'm like, Uganda, I don't want to go to Uganda. Just as ministry was starting to grow and people were starting to invite us to come and we were seeing many people get saved, all of a sudden God says, now I want you to go to Uganda. Amen, but... I didn't know what God was going to do. I had no idea what, why God was sending me to Uganda, but, and I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew who, who knew, amen? And my life was in his hands. And, you know, we, we went from... You know, I can remember walking in Palm Springs. We were in Palm Springs ministering with four churches there, four Calvary chapels. And uh, me and my wife had many different ways God had showed us. He was calling us to Uganda. And I can remember us on a walk having a conversation... God's sending us to Uganda, and I, my, wife, my wife is like, we're supposed to go to Uganda. And I'm like, I know, but we can't just get on a plane and go to Uganda. I mean, what are we going to do, just land there and walk around until uh, God shows us? said, so we need to wait until God gives us a call. You know, God's going to open a door for us to go to Uganda. And that was on my, my birthday, November 13th, 2011. I was at one, a Calvary Chapel, Palm Springs, and the pastor gets up and says, you know, I have, we have a very serious problem. We need help. Our missionaries in Uganda lost their visas. They're getting kicked out of the country, and we need a family to go to Uganda. Amen. And we had our, door, our open door. Amen. God sent us to Uganda. And it was, our, our training program was pretty long. From November 13, 2011 to January 28, 2012, we had a little less than three months to prepare. But you know what? God took care of every detail. You know what? Time is nothing for God. And we, we went there, and we served at an orphanage. An orphanage run by that Calvary Chapel. And it was uh, for a year I, I ran that orphanage, or a little over a year. And it was like our training ground in Uganda. As I was working at that orphanage, the orphanage was well supported. It was an orphanage with 80 children, a church, and a school. And, and I was the, me and my wife were overseeing the whole project. 
But as I walked outside the walls of the orphanage around in the village and I saw the desperation, the people who had nothing, they were getting water out of a mud puddle, literally. They had no medical care, no schooling, and they were just desperate. And we felt the call again that God said, start. I, have, I didn't bring you here for this orphanage. I brought you here for these people. We trusted God again. And I didn't know. I, I don't, I'm from America. I don't know how to start a mission, you know, an organization in Uganda. But God does. Amen. And we took a step of faith and watched God provide every detail of starting the Uganda Kids Project. We started with 20 families. And I think there's people here in this church that support some of those families. But you know, it's amazing how God transforms lives. I mean, I can remember as we went outside looking to start Uganda Kids Project with 20 families. We went to every hut trying to identify the poorest people. And we picked the 20 poorest families. And God, uh, I, I can remember meeting those families four years ago. And we, the ministry was beginning. And we began to pray for them and began to teach them about Jesus. Began to take their kids to school and provide for their medical care. And man, I will look at those families now four years later, and God is amazing. God has completely transformed those lives. Five of the, 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 the fathers were alcoholics, and now are serving Jesus. And I tell you, God can do great things, amen. Well, I have a little video before I forget about it. We have a little video we want to play. It's, a, it's about two minutes video about uh, all that God is doing in Uganda, so let's watch.
it's worth it, brothers, and it's worth it, friends, to know your maker, to lose your sin. Did you, know? you know, I watched that video, I'm blown away by what God can do, amen? May God get all the glory. As we began to, with those two family, or those 20 families, we felt God call us to go to the west, to a, six hours away to a grass field in the middle of nowhere in the bush of western Uganda. Again, I'm like, Lord, are you sure? I mean, we, as we drove, we were at the first, our project with the 20 families, six-hour drive to the other place. And you're passing millions of kids going to that six-hour spot in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, this is where you want us to go, Lord. You know what? That's something we need to understand is that God, we need to follow God's call in our life. Amen. We can't let the need guide us. We each need to seek God with all of our heart every day and desire to hear from him and obey what he leads you, to, calls you to do. Amen. And God called us to go to there and we went there as a grass field with nothing but, and we, nothing but a faith. Amen. We went there with a plan to live in tents. And I can remember when we showed up and I'm standing on top of the hill and I was like, I don't even have a flat spot to put our tents. And we're standing on the hill where we're planning to build this mission center. And, it's, and I'm thinking, it's going to take forever to build with, dig this out with shovels. And it's like, I don't even have a shovel. <laughs> but you know what? We, as I stood there, I, you know, the devil works through fear, amen? As I stood on top of that hill, you know, I, God reminded me that he didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And we began to pray. And that night, we spent the whole night praying. And the next day we came back to the property and we began to dig, a, trying to dig a flat spot to put up our tents from Walmart, you know, Walmart tents in western Uganda. And uh, a man walked up to me and said, sir, I know the man who runs the road machines and he wants to come up here and help you. And we went from impossible in five hours, the, the machine came, pushed the road all the way to the top, cleared the whole spot on top of the hill, and the next day we are, we are digging the foundation for the mission center, amen? That's the God that we serve. He can do anything in our lives if we'll just trust him, amen? And we began to minister there for, the, for you know, the three months, living in tents. Another story, God, you know, it was the end of the rainy season, and you know, Walmart tents don't do very good in monsoon rains, and we were just trusting God he was going to keep away the rain, and it didn't rain barely at all for the whole three months. We moved into the mission center when it was finished. And two days later, the rain came like crazy. And it rained for two weeks straight. Amen. God controls the rain. Amen. He controls our lives. He loves us. And he wants to do great things in our lives. Amen. The Bible says God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we can ask, think, or even imagine through his spirit that lives inside of us. Amen. As we continued to minister, we did our first VBS there. We had a team come from Oregon, and we did a VBS. 900 kids came the first day. 900 kids. I'm like, woo, we didn't plan for this. Amen. Our little chapel was so packed, it couldn't even move. We had to go outside and do it outside. But you know what? God, God took care of it. As we've been ministering there, God showed us a need for a school. And God took care of the school. Now we have a kid with the school with 100 kids, and we're pouring Jesus into these, ki these kids every day. God raised up a church... You know, and he showed us another need, a medical center. And right now we're trying to build a, dig and finish a medical center. You know, there's a great need for good medicine there. We, we need nurses to come and help us. We need teachers to come and partner with us. We have a group, many needs. We've barely even scratched the surface, amen? But you know what? We, we trust in God that, you know, he's began this good work. He's going to bring it to completion, amen? And we pray that you will continue to partner with us. You know, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I just ask you this, that you would pray for us. And if God puts it on your heart to do something more, there's many kids to sponsor. There's many other things that you can do to get involved. But you know what? 
we all serve the living God, amen? And we have book, bookmarks back there on our table. Um, that I ask you to please take a bookmark and remember to pray for us in Uganda, amen? And if God moves on your heart to do something else, we you know, ask us to partner with us as God leads. There's many crafts back there on the table. They're all made by Ugandan men and women. And it's all by donation. There's no cost. Whatever God puts on your heart to donate, it's, it's all free. Amen. If you don't have any money, take it. I don't, I don't, it's, between you, it's God's business. Amen. But this evening, I'm here to encourage you in this. Amen. God's doing great things in Uganda. God wants to do great things here. He's doing great things in all of his people all over the world. And he wants, he wants to do greater things. Amen. You know, the Bible, God's not comfortable. To, he's not going to leave us where we are. He wants, he's always trying to grow us and change us and do greater things in and through our lives. Amen. My dad always told me that this book is the living word of God. Every word is true. And before you open it and read it, you should pray. Amen. And expect that when you open it, expect God to speak to you tonight. So I'm expecting that God, through his spirit, is going to show up tonight. Amen. As we look at his word. In the local language there... In run, is Runyonkoli, and in the local language, let's pray is katu shabe, katu shabe, so let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your, your, that you work in our lives, or you don't need us, but you use us, God. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for giving us your spirit that lives inside of us. But God, you want to do greater works in and through our lives. You, you say to pray for the greatest gifts, for the greater gifts. Lord, we do pray that your spirit would fall upon this place. Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would hear your call. And Lord, you give us greater faith to obey and to do the work where you're calling each one of us to do, where, we, where you've planted us. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted tonight in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the, God has given us this book. It's the good news, amen. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. And then God made a promise, a promise of a Savior, amen? From the very beginning, through the entire Bible, it's called the red thread of the gospel. The red thread pointing to Jesus through every book of the Old Testament. You know, up until Jesus came 2,000 years ago. You know, the good news is what the Bible has. It's good news. And the message of the gospel is found in John chapter 3, verse 16. And I pray each one of us knows that verse. If you don't have the, that verse memorized, I encourage you to start memorizing the Bible. The Bible says, write the word of God in your heart so you will not sin against me. You know what I mean? We need to be memorizing and knowing the word. This book is powerful. And it's filled with promises for us today. And the gospel is good news. And it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That verse right there that we hopefully have all know and have heard is the gospel. One verse says it all. It's a message of love. It's a message of God's grace and forgiveness. A message of faith that if we believe, but it's available to everyone. It's God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever will believe, it's available to all. And that whoever believes will not perish the bad news, but will receive eternal life, the good news. You know, I was a cop for a long time, and many times at night I had to go to people's houses and knock on the door and tell them that their son or daughter was killed in, a, in an accident or a, or a homicide. And that was really, it's not a fun job. It was not good news I was bringing. It was many tears and very sad. But that's not the message that God's given us to share. He's came to give us a message of love, amen? He's given us a message of good news to go out and share. 
We're not like a doctor taking a message of terminal illness to a sick patient. We're coming to tell people that there's hope and love and forgiveness in Jesus. Amen? God has given us a message, a good message to share. And it's something we get to do. I don't know if you understand. We get to share this. It's not a, I must do this. It's a, I get to share it. If we understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus is going to do in the future, it shouldn't be in our hearts that this is like a burden, but it's something that I get to share, this message of love that tell people that not, not only did God say I love you, but he proved he loved you by sending his only begotten son. But you know what? Not only did God give us this wonderful message to share, a message of love, he gave us the power to share it. Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Hopefully this is another familiar verse to you, but if not, we're going to read it. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Hopefully you brought your Bibles with you. It says in Acts 1, 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, Jesus had died... Jesus rose again. Jesus was with his disciples as he was preparing to be taken up into heaven. And Jesus had talked about the Holy Spirit much. He'd called him the helper, the comforter, you know, that was going to guide them into all truth. He was going to convict the, sin, the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus said, it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to live inside of you. But then before he ascended into heaven, he made, told them about what the Holy Spirit was going to give them power to do. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. Amen. The Holy Spirit has given us the power to do the job that God has called us all to do, to be a witness for him. He has given us his power, his spirit, to empower us to do the job that he has for each of us, to be a witness. And, you know, people hear the word evangelism and they're like, oh no, evangelism, I can't do that. Evangelism, I don't know enough. Or I'm not a pastor or I'm not a missionary or a teacher. I'm not a... I, I can't do that. But you know what? Evangelism is really easy. We make it very difficult. But it's not. It's a very simple thing of just telling other people what God has done for you. And that's what being a witness is. Being a witness is just telling other people what God has done in your life. Amen? We talk about things in our life all the time. We love to talk about our life. You know, our Facebook. People love to post what they're doing and what's going on. People love talking about their lives and the good things that are happening. That's what God wants you to do. There's nothing greater than has happened in your life than Jesus. Amen? There's nothing. If you don't understand that, it's true. There's nothing better in your life than Jesus Christ. There's nothing out there in the world that's better than Jesus Christ. The enemy is trying to trick people, especially young people, that money and cars and clothes and stuff and fancy things are, are going to make you happy. But the reality is if you don't have Jesus in your life, everything else will be empty. But if you put Jesus first in your life, he'll take care of everything else. And it's amazing in Uganda, people live in a 10 by 10 hut, a mud hut with a grass roof that leaks. Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, and their five kids all live in this one room. They sleep together in a mud hut, mud floor, no mattress, nothing. But they have Jesus and they're happy, amen? If you have, a lot, if you have Jesus and he gives you a lot, you're gonna be, things are going to be in order because you have put Jesus first. If Jesus gives you little, if you put him first, he'll take care of everything, Amen? And God has done great things in our life. And what he's called us to do is to tell others about it. Amen? Jesus has done so many things for us. Everything we 
well, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who never changes. Amen. Everything good in your life comes from Jesus. And you know what? God is, just wants you to share that with others, the great things that he's done. He died. He rose again. He's offering eternal life to whoever will trust in him. He's given you his spirit to empower you to do the job that he's called you to do, to be a witness. You know, many times I stood in this and a witness stand and went up, you know, they called me as a witness and I went up and held up my right hand and said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. And I was asked questions and I would be a witness in the court, amen? And I would witness to what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced, amen? And this is what God is calling you to do in your life, the people that he has placed you around, your family and friends, co-workers, to be a witness to them with your words and in your actions that they will see Jesus and be, be drawn to him, amen? And it's a great thing that God's called us to do. And he doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. But he wants to use us. Amen. Besides being calling us to be a witness, he's given us another job. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Another familiar verse called the Great Commission. Matthew 28 verse 18. You know, I hope, I hope you see tonight that what God is calling us all to do, God has given you the ability to do it, amen, if you'll just trust him. And he's called us, he's given us a message of love. He's given us a job to be his witness, but he's given us his spirit to give us the power to do that job. And Jesus, he gave, the last command he gave is called the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now this is the great commission. It's a commission. The church working with God through his Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's the job that God has given the church to complete. Amen. We're all part of it. And as the words there, it says, go therefore. As we're going about our life, doing whatever God has led you to do that day, we're to be involved in making disciples. Amen. But again, it's a thing that we're not alone doing. Amen. This is, a, this is the purpose of the church. To win the lost, disciple the saved, and, and send out people as they are mature in their faith to go, to go do it again. And this great commission, as Jesus has called us all to do, he's also given us giftings. Each person here has a gift or giftings that God has given you, a spiritual gift that God has given you, amen? The spiritual gifts that God has given you, he wants you to use to do this job of making disciples. And God said, you know, Paul talked about the church being in a body. He compared it to a human body. And he said that Jesus is our, our head, right? He's in charge. He makes the decisions. But the rest of us are different parts of the body. We're not all hands. We're not all feet. We're not all ears. We're not all eyes. We all have a different gift, a different job that God has given you to do. And when we're all doing it together, we're all doing our part. The church is healthy and disciples are being made. Amen? But again, you've got to understand that God has given you those spiritual gifts to use for him. And many people, I know many musicians, I believe that God has given them the spiritual gift of being, able to, of being a good musician. And they're not using it for God, they're using it for their own glory, amen. But God has given us gifts to use for Him. Amen. And each one of us, together, has a different gift to work together to, as the body of Christ. And you know, the Bible says that through faith, we're all adopted as sons and daughters, amen. 
So every person in this room, if you're a born-again believer, you're, you're, you're sitting with your brothers and sisters, amen? And he gave us the body of Christ to work together. You're not alone working, doing this work. We're together with our brothers and sisters to help make, to do the job that God called us to do of making disciples. And Jesus says right here, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is our guide, but he's also with us as we do the work together. He's given us the spirit, as I said. But you know what? God has given you a gift. Are you using it for God's glory? And maybe you're not sure what your giftings are. Maybe you're not sure what God has for you to do. I just encourage you to do something. Serve somewhere. Start doing something. As, as you're faithful doing something, God will lead you to the next thing. As you're faithful just doing whatever work is, you have in front of you, God will show you what your gifts are. He will show you what you love to do. And that usually goes hand in hand. The things you love to do usually go hands in hands with your giftings that God has given you. But when you're faithful with a little, he will trust you with more. And he will use you. And there's nothing better that you can do with your life than serve Jesus. Nothing. All the years, the 38 years, and all the stuff I did as a police officer, all that I really have very little memories of that, of anything good. But the day I started serving the living God, I have nothing but memory after memory, story after story, life changed, life changed, life changed, where God used me. And it has nothing to do with me. He gets all the glory. All I said is, Lord, here I am. Use me. And if you'll do the same, he will use you. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't know where to serve, the best ministry in my mind in this church is the children. Amen. But do something for Jesus. And when you're faithful to do little, he will lead you to the next thing. And there's, like I said, nothing better than serving Jesus. And again, I want to remind you all the things that God has called us to do. He's given us the ability to do it, and he's with us. He's given us a message of love. He's given us a spirit to, to help us, to empower us to be his witness. He's given us our brothers and sisters in Christ to work in the body of Christ to, to make disciples. And he says, I'm always with you. You know, if Jesus will never leave us. The Bible promises that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. If you don't feel the presence of God with you, it's not because Jesus left. It's because we've walked away. Amen. But the great thing is that God is always calling for us to come back. Over and over the Bible talks about return to me and be blessed. Return to me and be filled. Return to me and I'll use you. Amen. So if God's not working in your life today, maybe you've walked away. Maybe it's time to come back. You know, and I'm not much of a statistical guy, but the Bible, I mean, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there. You know, they say 5% of people, Christians, ever share their faith. They say about 10 to 20% of the church does all the work. You know, I wonder why is that happening so much? Or why are so few people involved in serving Jesus and doing the work that God has for us when that's where the true blessing comes, amen? The true blessing comes from walking day by day with Jesus and doing his will, not our own. You know, I know we, the, first, the first problem we all have is we have an enemy, the devil, John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. The abundant life comes from a close relationship with Jesus and living for him and doing his will. But the devil is using all sorts of things to keep us from following Jesus and doing God's will. We, you know, trying to get us off track. The devil works through fear is one of the things that he always uses is fear. You know, and courage is not absence of fear. Courage is having fear and going, doing it anyway, amen? And despite the fear, still doing what God's called you to do. I tell you, there's nothing better that you'll ever do than, than serve God. 
I, we were out in San Antonio, and I, a little eight-year-old boy went with us. And, you know, we had prayed for divine appointments. And, you know, this eight-year-old boy walked up to a lady sitting down and gave her a track. And he handed up, you know, he, he did what, just what I had told him to do. You know, did you get one of these? And this lady was sitting there. As soon as he handed her the track, she looked at it, she started crying. This is an eight-year-old boy. She said, I pray today that if God, if you're real, that you would send me someone. And that eight-year-old boy was who God sent. You know, God will use you. You don't have to be afraid. God wants to use you. God wants to use all of us. We'll just trust him, amen? But the devil doesn't want you to do the work of God. The devil wants to keep you afraid. You know, the devil works through lies. He's trying to lie to us. He tells us that things in this world will replace God, that you're going to have more happiness if you have... And my life was alcohol. What's it in your thing, your thing in your life? He's always lying to us, trying to get our eyes off of Jesus onto the, the self and the world. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. As Paul tells us about this enemy we face. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul, writing to the church of Ephesus, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul tells us who, the, who our enemy is, right? It's not other people. We don't have to fear other people. We have the enemy. We don't have to fear him either, because right, the Bible says that he's defeated. Paul told the Colossians that Jesus made a public spectacle of the devil, nail him to the cross. Amen. The, we, the devil is already defeated. Jesus is already victorious. We are more than conquerors. Amen. We just need to trust God. And he tells us about this enemy that we have. But then he goes on to tell us the weapons that God has given us to fight. Goes on to verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore... And he tells us the weapons that God has given us. Having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Again, we have this enemy, but the enemy is defeated. And God has given us the weapons to fight, amen? He's given us the weapons that we be victorious in all, any battle the enemy brings us. But you know what? We need to be, just like a, a police officer, you have to practice. It's like people in the military, they practice with the weapons that they have. As they practice with them, you become good. That's the same in our spiritual walk, right? We need to practice. God said, the Bible says that, that uh, bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness profits much. You know, we need to focus on, on our, building up our spiritual strength. You know, we have this battle going on, our flesh and our spirit. And whichever one you spend time with, whichever one you feed is what's going to grow. And God has given us the spirit. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And he's given us weapons to defeat the enemy. Amen? And we need to spend time in the, in the word, spend time in prayer, spend time doing the work, using these weapons... And having victory, amen, for God's glory. And it leads me to the other enemy we face. Besides the devil, we have ourself. And if we're honest, we all struggle with self, right? Self is a root word for selfish. And I'll be honest, I'm selfish. It's very hard sometimes. 
We have our own needs and our own desires. And you know what? You know, I, I'd be glad when I get to see Jesus face to face. One day, it's going to be a great day when we get to see Jesus face to face and we hear the angels singing and we join in the worshiping God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. One day, we're going to be singing a new song in heaven. Amen? But we have this body of sin and death, this flesh that we fight with, and we always will until the day we are taken up to heaven. Turn to Galatians chapter 5 real quick, as Paul talks about the, our, this, this battle of our spirit and our flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. tells us the battle in verse 17. He says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And then he tells us right there the battle. We have this battle going on, our spirit battling our flesh. Amen. But then he tells in verse 16, he tells us the victory. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust and the flesh. And that's what this Christian life is. It's a daily walk. And my life began to change when every day before I got out of bed, I began to pr- I prayed and say, Lord, today I give you my life. I began to walk in the Spirit day by day. And each day as I was going through the day, I'd pray for God to be- use me, to lead me to divine appointments. And he did. And I pray that God, every time when something good happened, I'd stop and thank God. And if something difficult happened, I'd pray and ask God for help. And at the end of the day, no matter what happened, good or bad, praise God for whatever came. Either way, amen. And that's walking in the Spirit day by day. And that's, it's a walk. It's a daily walk with Jesus. And I can't believe the God who created the world, that he has such power that he spoke. He's so big. So we look at the size of the universe, it shows the majesty of God and how ma- amazing God is. But that same God loves us each. He loves us so much, he wants to walk with us. And he wants to, he's with us. He's given us the Spirit. He's given us the weapons to fight. Amen. I was in the Bronx uh, a couple of we- or about a month ago now. I went to a Yankees game, and as I was driving in, we were driving into the, to New York, and then we came to a stoplight, and I looked over to the right, and I s- saw a car pull up, and it was a kind of a get, you know a poor area, and the car pulled up. Some guys run out to the car. They lean in the window. They hand something into the car. They hand something out. The car they get run back, and the car takes off. Amen. You don't have to be an ex-narcotics detective to know what I just saw, right? It's just pretty obvious, right? Who, what they're doing shows by their actions, amen? And that's what Paul's telling us. In our life, we'll show who we're serving. If you're walking in the flesh, it's going to show by what happens in your life, what you do. If you're walking in the Spirit, it's the same. And Paul shows, tells the Galatians what you'll see in your life if you're walking in the flesh, He says that now the works, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, I saw on those guys... I don't know them. I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. But their actions proved what they were doing, who they were serving. Amen? You know, they says that you practice such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a scary thought. 
the thought of anyone going to hell is, is a horrible thought to me. But the great thing is that we can, we can spend time walking in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, the things that people are going to see in our life is verse 18. You serve the living God and you walk in the Spirit. Verse, eight, 20, I mean, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen. If you spend time, you're walking in the Spirit and you spend time and you're living for Jesus, people are going to see those things. They're going to see love in your life. They're going to see joy and peace and all those good things if you walk in the Spirit. You know, my wife, before she was saved in Riverside, California, she worked at a restaurant with a girl named Dina. And my wife said, Dina, there was something about Dina that was different. She had this peace and she had joy and she was filled with just, she was kind and Something was different about her. And my wife can remember saying, I don't know what Dina has, but what Dina has, I want. And my wife sought out a friendship with Dina. And Dina invited my wife over to her house. And Dina told my wife what was different about her, that it was Jesus. Amen. Without saying a word, my wife was led to Jesus by Dina because she walked in the Spirit. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit was evident in her life. It's not something we can fake. It's not something we can make up. It's not something you can, you know, attain through good works. It's not something that you can do. It's something that God does. As you surrender to him daily and you, you die daily and let him, give him control of your life. And you spend time walking with him. Spend time reading the Bible. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in a close personal relationship with the living God. Amen. I can remember when I, April 21st, when I quit my job and gave my life to Christ and I immediately went into a discipleship program and I hadn't seen my family for six weeks and after six weeks my, my wife and my kids came to see me and, and they said I didn't even look the same they said I, they didn't even recognize me they said I completely looked different and I can remember my little boy walking up to me and saying daddy I don't think you're going to yell at me anymore amen they saw Jesus in me amen I saw something different about me. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with us. It's spending a, by a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And I tell you, there's nothing better. I can't believe that God wants to have a relationship with me. He knows everything about me. He knows all my thoughts. He knows everything I've ever done. And he still loves me. And he wants to be there for me. He wants to walk with me. He wants to fill me. And he wants to use me. And he wants to do the same in all of our lives. And we'll just trust him. And we'll just turn away from all the worthless stuff of this world and put Jesus first. Turn to John chapter 15 as Jesus gives us, told the disciples the answer, the answer to victory. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. I mean, there's a pretty clear picture of the, of, of the two options that we face. Amen. And it really comes down to a choice. 
it really comes down to us choosing of who are we going to walk with. You're either going to walk with the world and the devil and your flesh, or you're going to walk with Jesus and the spirit of the living God. Amen. Well, there's no other option. The most miserable person there is is the person who tries to do both. I know because I was. For many, many years, at least five years, I tried to pretend to be a Christian at church and on Wednesdays and in front of my wife and in front of my Christian friends. And at work, I was a completely different person. I had one foot in the world and one foot in church, and I was a miserable, horrible person. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You must choose who are you going to serve. And Jesus makes it really clear here that we're either going to bear fruit or we're going to be withered and be not good for nothing but the, the fire. Amen. And, you know, he gives us a clear picture of a, you know, of a vine and a branch. You go outside and take a, cut, cut a branch off a tree and drop it on the ground. And after a few days, it's going to dry. A week, it's going to be drier. A couple of weeks, it's going to be good for nothing but the fire. Amen. And that's what he's telling us about us, about our spirit, about our life. He said, if you abide in me, if you walk hand in hand with me, if you spend time with me, have a close personal relationship with me, you're going to be filled with my spirit and you're going you're to be flowing. The fruits of the spirit are going to flow out of your life. And if you disconnect from Jesus, you walk in the flesh, it says we're going to dry up and be good for nothing. Amen. And I don't know about you, I wasted too much time. I wasted many, 25 years at least, walking in the flesh and have nothing to show for it. But the fact that God loves me and that he loves us and he wants to know each one of us, that he wants to have a close relationship with me and with you and he wants us to walk with him. He cares about us, he loves us and he wants to use us is amazing to me. And Jesus says if we abide in him, if we walk with him day by day, he will fill us with his spirit. He will use us. He will bear much fruit through our lives. Amen. To his glory. You know, when I was raised in a Christian home, my parents, as they tried to make me go to church, and they made me pray and tried to make me read the Bible and many things. And I was a, when I was young, I was a very religious home. My parents were serving, you know, they had a system of religion, and it was empty. And I ran from God. But God, in his perfect timing, he revealed himself to me. And that day in my church, when God opened up my eyes to see who he was and, how, and that what he had done for me, and that he wanted to have a close relationship with me, and it changed everything. And I understood that God loved me. And he loved me so much that he gave his son that he died for me that I don't have to go to hell, that I could have eternal life, that I could not only have eternal life in heaven, but I could have the abundant life today if, if I would just walk with him. And everything changed in my life. No longer did anybody have to make me read the Bible. I wanted to read the Bible because I love God and I wanted to know him. Amen? It's not about you. This is not a must thing. This is something that God, he, he's offering He's offering you the abundant life. He's offering you his spirit. He's offering you his gifts. He's offering to do great things in and through our lives. It's a choice that we each make day by day to, to turn from our sins, to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. Amen. I tell you, there's nothing better, nothing out there in the world, nothing. We were created to have a close personal relationship with the living God. Amen. We were created to worship God. And the abundant life comes as walking with Jesus day by day. Amen.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I thank you, God, for your spirit. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace and your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that you, you want to use us. That, God, that you've filled us with your spirit. That you've given us all the things we need for life and godliness. And you want to do great things through our lives, Lord. I pray for each person here, Lord, that they would, would not be deceived, not fall for the lies of the enemy, but would, be, would turn away from everything else and put you first. And God, I pray that you would do great works in and through each and one of our lives, Lord. You've called us and you've equipped us, and Lord, you've placed a, these people here, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the work you're already doing. But I know, God, you're not content to leave us where we are, but you want to grow us and do even greater things, Lord. So I pray, God, that you would, by your experience,